there was a lot of times that I didn't really want to be in church. I wanted to have other things going on. But whether it was a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, a Wednesday night, if it was a revival service or a prayer service, man, my parents uh, were in church and we were in church. And um, I remember looking back that uh, I'm grateful for it now, but at the time, sometimes I wasn't uh, real thrilled. And Super Bowl Sunday is coming up here in a couple weeks, a few weeks. And uh, when I was thinking about going to church all those years, uh, a memory popped up of a couple, a couple years there where uh, the Super Bowl on the West Coast happens, you know, kind of everywhere, different times of the, the day. So anyway, I, I was able to watch it um, until about halftime or so. And mom comes in, we got to go to church, you got to go to church. And I'm like, no, I, I want to watch the game. This is the championship game. And, and uh, I remember thinking to myself, like, I, I don't want to miss out on this game. And so I took my radio to church. It was probably a Walkman. I don't know if any of you guys had a Walkman too. My son talks about those days where you had a big old uh, tape player on your belt, all right? Now everything's on your phone, but... Um, but I remember sneaking my Walkman uh, to the church, and the headphones back then weren't very small, so I don't, I don't think I got away with it, but I was never uh, punished. I thought I was uh, pretty sneaky. I have asked forgiveness from the Lord for those times, but, but I, remember, <laughs> I remember sneaking my Walkman in, and I had my headphones, and I'm leaning forward watching the preacher, and I'm listening to the Super Bowl on my... Uh, headphones there and um, and just thinking you know I'm so cool and so sneaky um, but it was fun times um, and I was probably 12 or 13 <laughs> probably um, other memories come to mind of uh, sitting way up at the top in our church we had a balcony and um, back in the day there was I don't know, I think I had a seating for like 600 people. The church wasn't that large, but I would, our friends would go up to the very tippy top of the uh, balcony there and be watching the service, and you could see the, the podium or the pulpit. You could see the stage, and the pastor would just keep his eye on us up there while the congregation's down below. He would keep giving us the evil eye. What are you guys doing up there, <laughs> right? And um, I have a lot of good memories and good moments in church where I encountered the Lord, uh, too. It wasn't all uh, being sneaky and uh, mischievous, but, um, but I have a lot of good encounters with the Lord at church where I could take you uh, to the spot in the, in the front there where I gave my life to the Lord or had uh, these powerful moments with the Holy Spirit. And uh, lives are changed um, a lot of times in the church, all right? And that's the mission. That's the uh, purpose uh, when we gather together. Uh, that's the purpose of the church is that we just grow closer uh, to the Lord and we do the things that he uh, calls us to do. And we're going to talk about that uh, today. In kids' church, our kids have been learning about church and the last couple of weeks, they've learned about communion and water baptism and what the, 
what we do, other things that we do in the church and, and why we attend church on Sundays or whatever days of the week. And so it's been awesome. I wanted to uh, kind of put out a plug that uh, they've learned about being baptized uh, last week. And I just want to encourage you guys, uh, families, you're um, the first spiritual, you're the main spiritual leader in the home. And you could talk to your children about being water baptized. And um, if they've made that commitment to the Lord, it's kind of, I would trust you to, to know if they've uh, made that and, and it's genuine. And we would love to baptize them in water. And we could do that uh, anytime if you just come and talk to me about that. And even adults, if uh, you've never been baptized in water, but God's done something in your life uh, recently that, man, you just want to make that uh, public. The, the, wa- the baptizing in water doesn't save you. Uh, what saves you is uh, God working in your life and you surrendering your life to him and asking forgiveness and you're turning your life over to him. Water baptism is the public uh, symbolism of that, that you're showing us, your, your family, uh, your friends, all who are there, uh, that the old person is going under and when you rise up out of the water, you're brand new and uh, it's symbolic that way. So we'd love to... Uh, do a baptism service so come talk to me Uh, if you have any other questions too about it I know we're all from different uh, walks of life and and, uh, different upbringings so if you have questions um, please come and talk to me about that but we love that the uh, that kids that you're learning about um, the church and that uh, when I was growing up Uh, You just come to church, and it was probably, I was maybe being taught some of these things, but but it's important to know why, not just I have to come to church because my parents make me come. Hey, we want you uh, involved in this church and, and in a relationship with the Lord. So the church and its mission, how did the church start? I want to talk about that for a few moments. This could be a very long uh, history lesson. We could go on and on about the history of the church. We're not going to do that. Um, but how the, how the church as we know it started was mainly around the time of Jesus and um, before, prior to Jesus, in the years before Jesus, uh, the Jews uh, Israelites followed the law of Moses for their public worship and for their gatherings. And you could call that church, if you look up uh, history of church, you'll find uh, there's a lot of different degrees of uh, what, what's termed church. Are you looking for the history of this setting? Uh, in the Old Testament, it wasn't necessarily like this. Um, you could call that church but it looked a lot different um, than it did after Jesus died on the cross and rose again and, and um, started the early church. Jesus, the Jews would uh, go to the temple in Jerusalem uh, to worship God with sacrifices, and they would study scripture similar to how we do it uh, today. They taught their children it as well. But, but after Jesus came to earth, after he died on the cross and he rose again, church really got good. In Matthew chapter 16, uh, verse 18, Jesus is asking the disciples, 
this question, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answers, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replies to him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. In the past, there had been synagogues and temples, buildings uh, we may call church with groups of people who studied the Old Testament books, but it wasn't built on Jesus. We see in Acts chapter 1 that after Jesus dies and he raises back to life, he tells of the promise of the Holy Spirit. Then in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit baptizes the believers and the church that Jesus promised to build on Peter uh, was, was started. Peter gave a tremendous sermon uh, at that moment. And thousands of people that day became believers in Jesus. The disciples and, and the rest of the believers began to teach them and disciple them, just like we uh, studied in, our, in one of my first series uh, several months ago uh, when we looked at the early church and their priorities. Acts 2, verse 42, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. The church was being built, and their teaching was on Jesus. Uh, their worship was of Jesus. Their prayer was to Jesus. Okay? Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, how people were hearing the gospel, hearing the news about Jesus, and they were turning to him, much like uh, all, most of us here today. Uh, they have uh, found salvation from their sins, and they're joining with other believers. And so he concludes, he makes this conclusion in verses 19 through 22, Ephesians 2. He says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Let me pause and say, that's us, okay? Uh, you have turned your life over to Jesus. You're no longer strangers. You're no longer foreigners or aliens. You are of the household of God's people. Verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself, as the chief cornerstone. In him, in Jesus, the whole building is joined together and it rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. The church, the household of God, was to be built on the foundation that is Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. In Jesus, just like with a, a cornerstone of a building, uh, the entire building is joined together to rise up. And we believers are to join uh, together and be the holy temple in the Lord for God to dwell in. The church is not an actual building. 
Does God dwell in this structure at 70 Popular Avenue in Carrington, North Dakota? Yes, he does. But it's not because of the brick and mortar, the drywall. It's not because of that that he dwells here. I always find it interesting, and it even came up in a conversation with someone this week, that uh, when they find themselves, maybe they had a relationship or some sort of connection to God in the past, and they've strayed away, and they feel like, man, my life is messed up. I need to get back to church. They don't need to get back to this building. Okay? They don't need to get back to the Lutheran building next door. It's not the building that their heart or their mind is going back to and saying, oh, man, I got to get back to that. They, need to, they, they desire to get back to God who dwells in that building, wherever they had that connection. It was probably in a building that we call church, but it was in uh, the body of believers uh, that dwelled there that made it church. Yeah, amen. Amen. You can say amen. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's not the building that they need. It's the God that dwells there. God dwells here in this building because of a household of believers dwell here. And it all started back in March of 1975. We have a couple of uh, notebooks of, of some of the history of the church. And I didn't dig real deep, but I wanted to see a little bit of uh, how it got started. And back in 1975, in, in March, a group of uh, founding families, and that wasn't that long ago. You guys probably know uh, several of them. They've, some of them have moved away out of town now, but um, they would gather together. And I don't know how many years prior to, to March of 1975, but it was obviously that they had been uh, gathering for a while. And they were desiring more of God. They were desiring to worship together. They were desiring to uh, have church, right? And, and uh, at that moment in time, they were meeting in the Adventist church um, that I believe I heard is a, the daycare that's kind of across from the, the Bisset Motors. Yeah. So they, they kind of would meet in that church. And uh, that church, would, in this letter, in this letter that I found, uh, they just expressed that the church would like them uh, to no longer meet there and find another place to uh, hold their church. At that time, uh, Golden Acres, the nursing home right next door to us here, uh, was connected to the Assemblies of God uh, somehow. I'm not exactly sure how that is, but um, whether or not the Assemblies of God owned it or just kind of managed it, I'm not sure. Um, but they, the, the Golden Acres owned this land, and it was their intention and their desire to build a church on it. And so when uh, Pastor Don Wagner, the founding uh, pastor of this church and the pastor of that group of people, um, he was working for them. And uh, that group gave this group of believers this land for them to build a church on. It's amazing. It's a powerful moment. In this letter, uh, they're expressing that. And uh, their, their desire, they made uh, motions and um, decisions to incorporate. Um, 
There's papers. Uh, they became Bethel Chapel, and they began the plans for uh, this building that we're sitting in right now, or standing, or worshiping, or crying and changing diapers. <laughs> it's church, right? It's church, and it's been uh, about 48 years, and we should probably, in a couple years, have the 50-year anniversary celebration. It would be awesome to do that, because I'm, and I know you guys are probably more grateful, but I'm very grateful for that group of believers who had their decision made up that they're going to serve the Lord, and uh, they wanted this place to be a dwelling uh, for the Most High God. And they laid that great foundation for us in Carrington. And it's obviously reached to uh, the, the towns around uh, the area as well. They built this church on Jesus, and we will continue it. The church is a living organism. It's not a structure. The structure is what we've, uh, where we've placed our uh, memories and moments that have impacted us that, man, we love God because of this moment when we were sitting here, sitting there, praying here, praying there. And so our mind goes to the structure of the church, but the church is a living organism. To emphasize and visualize the living relationship of the believers with Christ the Bible talks about Christ as the head of the church in Ephesians 1.22 and the church as his body. There are several reasons for this beautiful analogy of the church as the body of Christ. The church is the physical, visible manifestation of Christ in the world, doing his work such as calling sinners to repentance, proclaiming the truth of God to the nations, and preparing for the ages to come. The church also is like a body in that it is composed of a complex arrangement of diverse parts, each discreet, each receiving from the head, Christ, each with its own gifts and ministry, yet all necessary for the work of God to proceed. In 1 Corinthians uh, 12, Paul writes about this analogy. It's a long portion of scripture. I put a couple uh, verses, a couple of the main verses on the screen. But he talks about the unity that is in a body and the unity that needs to be in the body of Christ in a church. He writes, starting in verse 12, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts, all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, <laughs> I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Hey, let me pause for a second as I was reading this. Uh, 
I'm, I'm a picture person. And could you imagine if our body, our entire body was just an eyeball, like rolling around town and like, would you be able to, I don't know if you'd be able to greet one another and say, hey, Bob, yeah, that's another eyeballs rolling around. I don't know. Or if we were all an ear and you just have ears hopping around town. I don't know. Paul's funny. And so as I'm reading this and thinking, wow, what is he getting at here? If the whole body were an eyeball, that would be funny. So we should, we should make a video of that. All right, verse 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. Whenever I read the verse about uh, when one part suffers, the entire part suffers. Have you ever stubbed your toe on the corner of a furniture? And it's just a little tiny toe, but man, it shoots pain all over. Oh, man. Okay, your whole body suffers, right? I have a little illustration uh, for you of uh, how, you, how we should be united uh, as, body, as the body of Christ, okay? So I have five bandanas here, nothing special about them. I have a bag here. It's not uh, magical, okay? Growing up in church, you're not allowed to do magic in church. Magic is of the devil, okay? This is not magic, okay? It's an illusion. I'm not going to tell you how I trick you or what's so special, Okay, it's not magic, uh, it's just an illusion. Okay, mom, dad, if you're watching, just kidding. We're not doing magic in church. <laughs> so, these bandanas represent you, not the color of the skin. Uh, none of you are purple or <laughs> uh, blue, but they represent. Uh, who you are, the pers- your personalities, your talents, your giftings, what God has uh, blessed you with, okay? Um, and all of these are, all of us have different ones. Some of you are uh, teachers, some of you are helpers, some of you uh, have gifts. Uh, there's, there's just thousands of ways that we're different, and we all have special gifts. And so, I want to show you this is an empty bag, okay? Nothing in it, nothing in it, okay? Empty bag. And watch what happens when we all come together and under the same unity for Jesus, okay? And we take our, our talents of helping, we take our 
talents of, of teaching. Okay, some of you are uh, great at encouraging one another. We really need encouragement in these days, amen? Okay, some of you uh, are prayer warriors. We really need people who are intense on uh, prayer, right? And uh, we really need hospitable people, uh, people who welcome you no matter uh, what your background, no matter where you've come from, no matter what you're doing, right? Uh, we, there's so many other gifts. I just listed five because I can't fill a, uh, this bag with 50 bandanas, okay? <laughs> okay? But um, what happens when we come together, when we humble ourselves and we work as one body, it takes prayer, it takes giving our lives and our gifts to the Lord. When we pray, there's not a magic uh, word that we need to say. Uh, it's a prayer when we humble ourselves and we pray, Lord, use me as part of your body. I don't want to go alone. I want to unite with others to accomplish your mission. When we make that our prayer, we become united in Christ Jesus. Amen? You're supposed to go, ooh, oh, how'd you do that? That's awesome. Wow. Thank you. I hear that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> okay? We need to be united. The mission of God is for this body of believers to tell others about him, uh, to worship him together, to grow into mature believers and saints. When we, uh, we must work together to reach our communities with Jesus. I know uh, you love the people of Sykeston. I know you love the people of Grace City. I know New Rockford is well represented here and uh, Cooperstown and Kinzel, and there's probably towns I'm forgetting. Obviously, some of us are from Carrington here. And they need Jesus. Bowden? I heard Bowden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Representing. Uh, they need Jesus. And now that each of us are following him, we need to spread the word so others will follow also. We must worship him together. It's more than uh, singing songs. It's seeking after him together. It's praying together. We must grow together, grow into mature believers. We need to constantly be growing. Discipleship uh, is the key. Studying his word together, acting on that, what we're studying. It's okay to be uh, baby Christians in our faith um, if you began following Jesus recently. Okay? But if you've been a Christian for more than five years and you need to be strong in your faith. You need to be sharing it uh, with others, helping them to understand the deep truths of God. Build up a firm foundation that'll withstand the storms of life. All the functions of the church, that's the local body of believers, everything that we do, uh, from a potluck to uh, a heavy prayer, prayer time, the sermons, everything that we do uh, should relate in some significant way to one or more of these objectives I just talked about. Evangelism, worship, and the nurture of a body of believers. Evangelism is the winning of new converts. Uh, worship is the church directed towards God. 
Nurture is the development of new converts into mature saints. We have to keep growing. We have to keep going. We have to keep telling others about Jesus. And everything that we do uh, as a church, uh, we want to do for the glory of God to reach others. I want to close if Steve and the worship team would come. I'll talk a little bit uh, in my devotional and the annual business meeting, but I know not all of you will be there for it. But what we want to do in the coming year, we have to get out of the church walls, these walls. We're an organism, we're living, uh, we're growing, uh, and to be able to reach others, we can't just wait for them to maybe like a magnet kind of be attracted to walk into this building. Okay, we have to go out. And so it's, uh, I kind of have some uh, ideas of, man, we could go to each community, do a little uh, barbecue, have some inflatables set up for the kids and have music and be telling our testimonies of how Jesus has changed our life. Uh, we could do something for the kids in each uh, uh, in each park, in each community, uh, something that tells them, introduces them uh, to Jesus. If there's anything that we could do, um, man, if God's placed a burden on your heart of you see something in the community that needs done or a way that we could show Jesus to this family individually, it doesn't have to be. I'm not just talking about we have to do these big Uh, things to get our name out there. Uh, If it's an individual that needs help and we can show them Jesus, man, we want to do that. We have to be moving. Even outside of our communities, there's uh, churches around the state and missionaries around the state that we could help. Um, I'm going to talk about this too, so I don't want to just repeat everything I'm going to say now, but uh, some of you know uh, Randy Hani's dad. Randy Hani used to pastor here, and his dad uh, is a pastor on a Native American reservation. Uh, we've spoken with him. They need help. Uh, they need hands to do work, and, and they need ministry done as well. And so we're gonna, you'll hear some uh, in, informational meetings being set coming up soon. We just want to take a weekend to go down there or a week to go down there, something, and just to go. And it helps us uh, to reach out, to see the needs of others. And, uh, it, and it helps us to grow, but it's also, it's doing the mission of the church and it's getting others uh, to know Jesus. We may take it for granted that we're in America, so everybody knows God, everybody knows Jesus, but you'd be surprised at uh, the amount that don't, that have never had an invitation or never had a, a witness, right? Stand with me. There's not a real, uh, you know, uh, powerful response time uh, to this message. But I want to just encourage you guys that whatever uh, you may seem like you might be lacking of uh, being in the body of believers here, man, what can you do uh, to get more involved, to be more connected uh, to one another? And uh, we just want to be the church. And so as we kind of close in in our, in our prayer and our songs uh, today with this closing song, Let's just uh, declare the greatness of God and what he's done for us, but also let's look out.
and not be uh, thinking just about ourselves, but how, man, we want to be his church. And how can we be part of his body? What part of the body that Paul was talking about, what part of the body are we? And have we tried to be the ear that's gone off and said, I don't need this, or uh, we can't be the whole eyeball, can't be the whole church. We can't have just one or two people uh, working it. We have to be all of us together working. So pray how God would have you be part of this body. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. We thank you for this challenge that we, uh, we've looked back on the history of our church here in Carrington and just the desire of a body of believers to, to grow here and establish uh, foundations here. God, and I just pray that you would solidify in our hearts today, God, what part of the body are we? Amen, that we uh, can serve you and show others uh, who you are and what you've done in our life, God. So I just pray uh, as we close in this song today, Jesus, that you would speak to our hearts how we can uh, better serve you, Lord. We love you, God, and we want your name to be lifted up in this place. Congregation, uh, sing with us today and, and as we close in prayer. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. To see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing, Holy, Holy, Holy. Holy, Holy, Holy. Holy, Holy, Holy. Holy, Holy, Holy. I want to see you. Holy, 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 I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, open the eyes of my heart, I want to see you. I want to see you. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. I want to see you. We want to see you. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, 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 we want to see you.
so going from here, we'll, I'll pray a blessing over the food so we can just start digging in. Um, in a few minutes, uh, we'll have uh, the fried chicken will be here, so we might want to um, give it a few more minutes before we start the line. But if you need to prepare your uh, food or whatever you need to do, I encourage you to stay uh, for the meal. Uh, we'll start a line uh, kind of along here, and the, you'll start at the window and kind of turn, and there's a table of all your food. Um, I think we can go uh, on both sides of the table to kind of get us through there uh, quicker. Um, but stay and enjoy the food, and uh, we'll start the, the business meeting kind of when everybody's wrapped up with the food. We'll try to just keep it going and going and going and not be here forever. So uh, let's pray over the food, and uh, God, we just praise you. Uh, we thank you for the service, and now as we go into a time of fellowship, we just pray a blessing over the food and the hands that have prepared it. Bless our time as we're talking and uh, just enjoying one another's company. Help us to make new friends and, and uh, get to know each other better and just have a great time uh, with one another now. And we just praise you, Lord, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be dismissed and make your way for the potluck.